Kirby wants blood. Yeah, that's right. Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 187 of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, the rear admiral of rest, relaxation, recreation, and refreshment, <laughs> the one and only Kirby Hossaman. Kirby, how the hell are you post-Vegas? Oh, man, I am in desperate need of relaxation and recovery for sure. But, you know, I, you know, I did a bit of a whirlwind trip to Vegas, and so it was, it was good. I got back late, late... Um, I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, whatever. Um, so that was pretty good. But I am fighting off the post-Vegas crud. But, you know, it happens. How about you, bud? I'm doing good. Um, again, like you kind of trying to readjust my body clock to normal time zones. Um, <laughs> I took the red eye. Uh, technically, I left Friday morning Vegas time at about 1.30 in the morning. Um, and so it's been, a, it's been a pretty big fight to get back to normal but you know it's not a fight kirby what's that bill that's running your distributor business through common skew that's not a fight at all you want to know why why is that bill because common skew is designed and built by distributors for distributors kirby what well, you know what that means that means they understand the promotional products industry and the challenges the modern distributor faces that's right and as i look at all the features that common skew has and we just came back from SKUCon where it was a you know tremendous event and i don't know if we're talking about that or not but I wanted to pick one, one or a couple things that really stand out for me of why Comiskey is such a great place to run your distributor business. Number one, it helps you stay on. Up oh, there's your pen. It helps you stay on top of production. Uh, it converts you can convert from a presentation to a quote to a sales order with one click, which means you're going to save time and eliminate costly errors by not having to rekey your information. I know you use that all the time. I do but it also helps you from a thirty thousand foot view, Kirby to view detailed reports. You're going to track the progress of each PO through all stages of production. You're going to quickly pull those reports on sales targets, sales pipeline, individual rep information, and commission payouts. And I know that helps you really run a tight, efficient Hassaman marketing business. I do uh, love all of those features. And I've said this on this podcast before, but mainly because it's it's true, is that the, the operations um, screen where we can track each order, not only by salesperson, but by and it, but at a glance, you can kind of see where an order is in the pipeline. And when something doesn't, you, at a glance, you can see if something's off kilter. Super important for us anyway. And so that's where another place is. One of the things that I think um, people don't always think of, but I think adds a ton of value. Awesome. Well, from ideation to invoicing, Comiskey is going to help get your team connected and keep them remain connected through all stages of the workflow. And so if you want to learn more, head over to comiskey.com slash unscripted. We all know you won't be sorry you did. Now, Kirby, are you ready to record at a Mucinex level today? <laughs> I think that's exactly where I'm going to be. I'm taking daytime medicine for the first time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do my best. How about Ex you, buddy? I'm, I'm ready to go. Kirby, why don't you, uh, why don't you start us off with a, a uh, topic today? So, and I want to thank you for having the courage to do this while you're fighting off an illness. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Um, and thank you for kind of mo moving the schedule around. Yep. So, so one of the things, and I don't know if this will be a good one or a quick one or whatever, but I think for a lot of people, and I heard multiple people say it this year, um, and so maybe it, this happens every year, but 
Um, I heard multiple people talk about how PPAI can be a bit overwhelming, the expo in particular, where it's like you can't, it's great in the sense that you can't go very far without running into somebody um, that you know or that wants to talk to you or wants to put their hand on your shoulder and say, hey, uh, good to see you or uh, I need to talk to you about something. Um, on the other hand, it's, t- it's tough to, to get anywhere. It's tough to get any quality kind of quiet time. Um, and I heard, I heard that from a ton of people this year. And it occurs to me that that is something that generally doesn't bother me. And I was trying to be introspective on the flight home and wonder why. <clears throat> and here's my take, and I, I want your perspective on it. Yeah. PPAI, the expo, is like living in a small town. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been training for Expo for 35 years. Right. Like, literally every place I go in Coshocton, I'm always concerned that I'm going to run into people I know. I need to be cognizant of who I'm snubbing or who I'm shaking hands with or whatever, whereas people from bigger cities might not ha- might have a little more anonymity in their everyday life and that that can be disconcerting. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of my thought about it, and I wanted to see what you thought. Yeah, it was an interesting expo for me. So normally I'm out bouncing around from here, there, and everywhere. And and I did some of that, but I spent the vast majority of time in our booth, um, mainly for the reason I, I, you know, someone had mentioned to me last year because I was not in the booth very much mm. that, hey, you know, when people want to come find you, they're going to come to your booth to do that, and you're never there. That's That's kind of... Uh, crappy, for lack of a better term. So I spent a lot of time in the booth, and so I actually had a very interesting expo experience this year. I think it was my least social expo I've ever been to, um, because I, I, what I kind of what you're talking about, you were bouncing around from place to place, and I find the more I bounce around, the more I run into people. Right. When I'm stationary. Yeah, I ran into quite a few people, but not nearly the amount of people that I normally run into. And that was kind of weird for me, yeah. uh, to be honest with you. So I, I felt like it was, you know, I, there was, I, I, normally there's always a few people I don't see, right? Or quite a few right. people I don't see. This year, I felt like I saw nobody. Really? Um, and, and I was there for, I, I think, a month and a half. So <laughs> it, I, it was a very different one for me. So do I do understand what you're saying. There were a couple, you know, when I would walk from the show floor to lunch or the show floor or to and from the show floor from the from the Luxor where I was staying, yeah, there's always those people, you know, you have those drive-bys with, and, and which right. is always fun um, and interesting. So it, to me, it was it was a very, uh, it was like from, from my, again, a social perspective the least social expo i've been to not that that's bad or good just it is because i was spoken for just about every every night with dinners and we had a couple team dinners and and things like that so it just seemed like there was just never enough time to really catch up with people and have that quiet drink in the corner or have that quick little 30 minute conversation over here um and so i i I, maybe maybe i should say it was my most productive expo i have no idea (laughs) i guess time will tell right yeah absolutely Cool. All right. So you you brought up Expo. Let's go ahead and bring up Expo a little bit more. I want to do a quick recap with you, if you want. So I just want to ask you just some quick questions, and then I kind of want to talk about what is the next iteration of Expo. Okay. Okay. I'll do my best. So a couple things 
Um, just want to ask your opinion as a as someone who walked the show floor, and I know you only did it for one day, um, and really three fourths of a day, because I know you had to go catch a plane. So, what did you think about those pop ups, real quick? What were your thought on the pop ups? Like the puppy pop up, they had a bacon pop up. I don't know if you saw any or not. I so I I more saw them peripherally, but I think they're genius. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know much like. <clears throat> The idea that every time we talk about technology and tracking us, people freak out. I think it was a genius use of that sort of technology. Absolutely. The idea that they would, hey, there's not much traffic over in this area. We're going to bring puppies over here. To me, that is the best use of technology in that specific situation. So to me, genius. What did you think of the education bubble on on the show floor? They had two of them. Yeah, I I didn't live in one of those, so I can't speak specifically to it. I Mm -hmm. would personally never go in one. Mm -hmm. Um, That just doesn't sound uh, pleasant at all to me in any way, and I don't know that I could learn that way. Okay, we'll get to that in a second because I have some thoughts on that. Uh, Attendance, from your perspective, up, down, about the same from last year. Yeah, I I struggle to uh, uh, answer that. I mean, it seemed good, so I would say about the same. Okay. Um, What was the best thing you saw? Best thing you saw on your time on the show floor? Best thing? um, This one pops in your head. Yeah, the first thing, the thing that everybody's talking about that I don't think is going to be like a long-term thing, but the thing that popped into my head was the chip dip from Oregon Audio. Okay. Uh, it's, It's so silly, but it's funny. I went on Snapchat and posted a bunch of new products that got my attention. The only one that got response was the chip dip thing. Okay, so I'm going to answer the same questions real quick, and then I want yes. to talk about what the next iteration of Expo is. Expo, just like everything else, needs to evolve to right. continue to grow. So um, the education bubble on the show floor, I don't love it. I'm going to get deeper into that in just a second. Um, the pop-ups, I think they're great. Like you, it does help drive traffic to where it needs to go, and I right. think that is a really great benefit for people who are exhibiting. It's yeah. a huge show floor, and it's hard for people to get through all of it. I thought the attendance uh, seemed like, it, at least from my perspective, down a little bit, but I bet it was probably up. It could have been just you know, when I was in the booth, my experience. Best thing I saw, and I'm I'm sure I'm not alone in this, the Numo booth where they built oh, a freaking yeah. house that was just stupid duh. awesome. Stupid yeah, awesome. How'd, I, how'd I not think of that? I, I don't know. One. Okay, so the next iteration of PPAI Expo, how do they continue to enhance and add value? Now, I can, I've actually had to, obviously I've had time to prepare for this. Do you want me to go first? I do. All right. So I think I think what I, I you know there's a couple things I think about as as we the the show itself the floor is open for two and a half days or two and two and three fourths days. Mm-hmm. I think on that last day to drive traffic, I really think that needs to be open to end users. Um, I think they need to figure out a way to incorporate the end users there. Um, I know there are end users on the show floor. Right. It's not a secret, but I think you need to find a way to not only um, monetize that from a PPAI perspective, but also organize and corral that. Um, right now, it's kind of a, a, a little bit of a free-for-all. No one's supposed to do it, but plenty of people do it. And I think that because it's not controlled, it makes everybody uneasy. Right. Um, and so I think I think that. Um, I think there needs to be, and again, this is coming from someone who is a uh, exhibitor. Um, I think there's got to be a way to not get financially screwed by Freeman. Um, it is so ridiculously expensive to ship things to the convention center, get things out of the convention center. It's efficient. They do a good job, but it is so horrifically overpriced. 
um, it, it's it, I, I wince when I get the bill, mm-hmm. and, and and that shouldn't be for people who plan plan ahead. And then the third thing is, I really think education at uh, PPAI Expo absolutely needs uh, a complete. Uh, uh, a complete revamp um, and this is not to denigrate um, uh, uh, Jennifer Crowfoot or, or Jody Mello or all the people who work very hard at professional development at PPAI I just think it's time for a change and I know you know we talked about the education domes uh, the education bubbles on the show floor I'm not a fan of that at all I think it takes away from the show floor experience they've done it a couple times um, I actually spoke at it on the show floor at um, Expo East a couple years ago and it was not only distracting for people walking the show it's really distracting for the person presenting so I think that's why there's now these inflatable bubbles or domes but I still don't like it Um, I really think that they got to figure out how to get education they have education day on Monday which is supplier setup day so you're basically telling half of your entire population and really the people who are paying for just about everything in the industry we don't value you to go to education you can't Mm go and and that pisses me off Um, I hate that so much. It's, it's driven me nuts for, for 10 years how Education Day is on Supplier Setup Day. What I'd love to see is something, along, and I'm sure there's a, people have thought about this, but I've got to believe there's a solution in terms of you have the Education Setup, edu, you have Setup Day, then you have the first show day, and maybe take a break the second day from the show. Maybe you have your exhibits open Tuesday, Thursday, and half a day Friday, and have that Wednesday be education day so suppliers can actually go to education. Hmm. Or have half a day. The show's open for half a day. Or figure out a way to allow suppliers to go get that valuable education. They're missing out, and it really is, 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 is a travesty, in my opinion. And I'm super passionate about this, and so I'm really trying to watch my words here. But it drives me bananas. And then the last thing is... Hmm. On Education Day itself, I looked at the schedule, and I didn't speak this year, and that was purposeful. Um, You're scheduling well-known speakers during the keynote. So now you've got the keynote that that PPI pays a ton of money for, and I'm sure the keynote was fantastic. But now you have speakers competing against the keynote. Now who's going to win there? Of course the keynote's going to win. So now you've got people who are speaking during the keynote, speaking to half-empty rooms. And and it's just, you're, you're asking people to pick between something really good and something really good. And, and I think you're, you're really failing your audience when you do that. And, and so I really think to really enhance the show experience, education and professional development really needs a hard look. Right. Yeah. And, and by the way, this is really good stuff. I like the way that you've you sort of thought this out. The end user conversation is one that has been, I think, been going on for a little bit now. It is. And I think in my head, I'd always said that, you, or I'd always thought that you do the end user on the front end of the show. But as you say it, it's it, it, the transition is what's, what's wonky, right? Yep. It's like, okay, do you print stuff that's all end user friendly if you're the supplier there? So that regardless of, you know, what day it's on, you can hand out the same material. Um and, and again, I know that's not the end of end all be all of that sort of thing, but I think that it would make sense to just keep something consistent. Yep. Um, I think as you say it, the idea of putting it at the end of the show does make some sense because I literally, as you were saying it, I'm like, I wonder, and I'm sure there are numbers here to say, 
What's the attendance day one? What's the attendance the third day? My guess is the attendance the third day is terrible. I, I can tell you from noon on, all of us are just waiting for 2 o'clock so we can break down our booths. Right. I may be for the last two hours of that show. And, again, this is not PPAI's fault. This, yeah, if you this had is the, every trade show every Yeah, day. if yeah. you had the show for five days, the fifth day would be dead. If you had the show for two days, the second day would be dead. <laughs> yes. It's just the way it works. But – so we're all just kind of waiting to break down our stuff and then waiting for Freeman to deliver our pallets and boxes. Yeah, and then the other piece is, and by the way, I totally uh, get the idea of some of the experiments they're doing with education. I think part of the idea of doing some stuff on the floor is to give more access to those people who can't yep. uh, get away from their booths. So that, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I see where the, you're coming from. I like I like your suggestion about coming up with some specific time. I mean, the reality of it is, the day before, I, I truly wasn't planning on bringing up SKUCon 2020, but it's yep. the idea that I think so many, you see a ton of suppliers in the room that day because they're like, hey, this is when I get to do the education. Right. Um, and I, I agree with you. And I'm always blown away by, oh, man, I think some of the stuff, and, and, you know, egotistically, like I think some of the stuff I speak about, I think suppliers would get just as much out as distributors. No question. And, and again, I know that Jennifer Crowfoot and Jody Mellon and their team work very, very hard, and they are trying new and different things. But are they new and different enough? I feel like we just kind of try to put a little, little Band-Aid here, move things a little bit there, instead of doing something radical, which may – it may fail miserably. Sure. But you know what? It may work. Work to yeah. say, hey, you know what? On day two, we're not opening the show until noon, right? And then the, you have education from eight to noon or, or nine to noon, two two session, two two time slots, and maybe six sessions, really focused mainly on supplier or general business things where suppliers could go. Right. I, again, I just hate the fact that. I, I, there was education sessions I wanted to go to. You want to know why I didn't go to them? Not because of any other reason. I had to build my booth. Yeah. And so I, I, I feel left out. Right. Yeah. And, and the final thought that I had is just shorter education spans. I mean, I've seen, I saw a lot of sessions that were, and mine included, mine was an hour and a half. Um, and I think way too long. No offense. I don't want to listen to myself for an hour and a half. Yeah. I think 45 minutes, you know, an hour is sort of the standard time. And I think if you've ever seen me speak, if it's an hour, I usually am done at 45, 50 because I want to give time for people to ask questions and all that sort of thing. So I'm a believer in shorter, uh, in that way, just because I know my own attention span. Um, Uh, and so those are just a couple off top of my head, but yours are super well thought. No, I, I agree, Kirby. I think, I think education times that are about 40 to 50 minutes are perfect. I think that's ideal. After that, people start to get antsy and, and edgy and kind of kind of yeah. shuffling in their seats are ready to go somewhere else. So, yeah. But the bottom line is, look, it may sound like I'm really lighting professional development on fire here. I'm not. They do a tremendous job. Yeah. It's a tremendously difficult job to coordinate that very delicate ballet. But I do think it's time to start looking at some ways to make that education more impactful to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I think we're missing. I think they're missing an opportunity to do that. But you know what, Kirby, I have a different opportunity for you. What's that, Bill? I'm so glad you knew to ask, Kirby. That would be our good pals over at Tervis. You know, they introduced that stainless steel line a couple years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the goal. Their goal was they want to be better than the competition by utilizing state-of-the-art custom 360-degree UV ultraviolet printing. Available in four sizes, 12-ounce, 20-ounce, 30-ounce, and that ever-so-popular 24-ounce water bottle. Five-year warranty. It is copper-lined, vacuum-insulated, keeps your beverages hot for eight hours, cold for 24 
you really can't go wrong with the Tervis. They got that great brand name. The the decoration, if you've not seen it, is nothing short of spectacular, mm-hmm. and just really, really will uh, get uh, your your target audience really excited about getting that type of a, a promotional product. So if you want to learn more, head over to TervisPromos.com. Kirby, you got another topic for us? I do. I'm going to jump out of the industry for a minute. Um, so the acclaimed Nike running shoe worn by, and uh, gosh, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, uh, Elid Kipchoge in his historic sub two hour marathon. Okay. So he, he ran a marathon in under two hours. Okay. The new um, running shoe could be mm-hmm. barred from competition. Okay. So they're saying that um, it is essentially uh, complaints the foam and carbon technology and its soles added spring, thus giving wearers an unfair advantage. Okay. So news from the band immediately like uh, gave uh, Asics and Mizuno like shares uh, a surge in their share prices. I thought that was fascinating to me because, yeah, okay, the um, professional people who are runners – Yes, they aren't going to be able to wear this new shoe. But mm-hmm. if you're somebody like me, and there are a lot more weekend warriors like me, mm-hmm. I kind of look at this and say, Nike, this is a brand win for them because they're going to say, look, this is this shoe's so awesome. It was banned. It's like having steroids for your feet. Right. So I wanted to see what you thought about this. Is this a black eye for Nike, which is how it was sort of presented in the articles I read? Mm-hmm. Or is it a good is it is it good news from a branding perspective? Um, I think it's good news, and, and I have actually a parallel. There was a golf club, and gosh darn, I think it might have been Nike that met, made this one. I can't remember, <laughs> and they made a a driver that uh, had too much spring in the faceplate. Nice. And uh, Arnold Palmer was using it at the time, right? And he okay. was getting older, longer, you know, in his career, you're not hitting the ball as far. So, you know, everybody's looking for a little bit of a competitive advantage. And he he used that club. And I can't remember the name of it. I wish I could. I'm sure I'm, somebody's going to tell me. Um, it wasn't Nike. It was this company. It doesn't really matter. A driver, but I believe it was Nike. And it was barred by the Royal and Ancient Golf uh, Club over in England, sure. which meant it was going to be barred by the United States Golf Association. And I just remember, because, and I had the club, by the way. Okay. And I just remember my thought was good enough for Arnold Palmer, good enough for me. Exactly. Um, and I think that's exactly what you're kind of saying with this shoe. And I'm not going to uh, horribly butcher that gentleman's name like you did. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's one of those things <laughs> when, when the word band comes up, yes. suddenly I want it. Yes. Right? Um, <laughs> if you tell me as a six year old boy, Billy, no more cookies before dinner. Right. Uh, I want a cookie. Yes, that's right. And so, or, or you know, back in, you know, I'll, I'll equate it to something I grew up with when the Parents Music Resource Center came up with labeling albums that had explicit li- lyrics. I wanted all the albums that had explicit <laughs> lyrics immediately. And so it's one of those things, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and there's always a, 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 you know, collateral damage you don't uh, you don't expect. And so that will actually sell more shoes for Nike. So I, I agree with you 100%. It's a brand win for Nike. Um, I can't believe that the shoes would be so awesome yeah. that they would propel the you know the world record to be broken like that. Yep. Um, I think that a guy like that could wear Skechers shape ups and probably yep. do the same thing. Yeah, I agree. But it's the Vapor Fly, by the way, the sneaker. So just in mm-hmm. case you want to run out and grab one for yourself to protect your Achilles, okay. I think uh, you know that's what it's called. 
Awesome. All right, I want to bring it back to the industry real quick. Okay. Um, and and it's it, ASI put out an article called "The Price of Success," and basically talking about how in the world we live in, everything is immediate now, and it's really making it very difficult for uh, people to have a work-life balance. And I, I've got notes here. You see, folks, I actually do prepare for the podcast. <laughs> um, Thing in the new economy, buyers want everything. I think we know this. This is something you and I talk about with Amazon. You know, every one of our end users assumes, well, I can get it in two days, right? Right. Now, I'm a firm believer that our industry has always been kind of the oh shit of marketing the in, in terms of, oh shit, we have a trade show next week. What are we right. giving away? Right. That type of stuff. And so... What, they, what one of the things in the article says, said, going above and beyond, so for example, like driving 500 miles to deliver bags, seems like the expected norm now, Right. whereas before it wasn't expected. So let me ask you this. Is this good for the industry, and how do we combat, combat fatigue and, frankly, burnout? Uh, so the idea of going above and beyond is the norm, and is that good for the industry? Correct. Um, Yes and no. Uh, sorry to fence No, that's it. okay. You I can waffle it up. Yeah, well, here's what I would say. I think it's good for the industry because I think that, you know, there were times uh, in the fairly recent past where it was kind of just, you know, well, you want these in whatever time frame, tough shit. Yep. Um, and I think that as an industry or any industry, upping mm-hmm. the service game is good for the industry. Correct. I think it, it, it makes the, the uh, reputation of our industry much better. If we have people who care about it, I mean, at the end of the day, if Comcast didn't suck, maybe the overall impression of cable companies will be better, right? right. So the, the rising water raises all boats kind of concept. On the other side, the idea that customers have an expectation mm-hmm. of you being able to do this on a regular basis as if they are the only customer mm-hmm. is a challenge. And that, so, so yeah. that's why I say it's, it, no, I get it's it. good industry it's bad for the individual sometimes i'd say yeah i think overall it's good for the industry um you know i have a very when i was a distributor i had a philosophy it's the same philosophy i have here at promo corner and i took it off of anthony milchori from uh hotel impossible Mm -hmm. i don't know if you've ever seen that show one of my favorite shows and i've actually had the opportunity to meet him um Mm. it's a guy i admire just from his service first i mean it's service 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 and it's, uh, I'll do the difficult immediately. The impossible will take a few minutes. And I love that <laughs> philosophy so much. And what I think it does, when we, 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 when it gives us an opportunity to educate the end users, hey, this is custom. This is not right. just pulling it off a shelf, putting it in a box, and getting it to you in two days. We're creating, we're creating something magical. We're creating a vehicle for you to send your specific message out. Not everybody's specific message, your specific message out. And so what I think it does, it actually helps expose the challenges that we have in the supply chain mm-hmm. that when they're fixed leads to greater efficiency and actually the industry grows as a whole. Now, how do we combat fatigue and burnout, which is the second part of it? Mm-hmm. I think you really have to train and communicate your clients. You know, so many of us are so scared to lose a client. If we stand up to unrealistic expectations, we really allow the inmates to run the asylum, the tail to wag the dog, whatever analogy you want to put on it. I think it's really an opportunity to explain 
why you know it's like out here at promo corner we do that series how promo is made That's... and and we get to show people how difficult it is to get this stuff done and it's a a it's so magical it gets done in five days yeah. let alone a week or two weeks and right. so two days for a customized solution is unrealistic and when we explain that to our clients 99 percent of the time they get it yeah. And they respect you for sharing that with them. Well, one of the things I've said for a long time, so so number one, I literally, as you were saying before you said how promo is made, I was like, this is why how promo is made is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not to uh, blow sunshine up you guys' rear end. It's just a fact. This is the kind of content we need to be sharing to show people the number of touches right. that it takes to create a really cool custom piece. As distributors, as suppliers, we need to share that sort of stuff um, because, again, it does show the magic behind it. Yep. And um, there was another thought I had, but I think the cold medicine is starting to kick in. No, that's in. okay. And, no, uh, it, it, yeah. it, it's the reason we produce a lot of the content we do. It's good for it's good for just we have a distributor audience, yeah. we have a supplier audience, we also have the end user audience too. And so yes. you know all, that's why it's all available on our website at the promocorner.com website under yeah. promo journal. You can share that stuff and help educate your clients on why. Things take maybe a day or two longer than you feel mm. like they should, and why communication is so important. Kirby, you remembered your thought. Yeah, I did. It's the, so the thing that has um, I've always struggled with, uh, really ever since I got in the industry, is with the best of intentions. We've talked about this earlier in the day, where we said you know you don't always know what the consequence of some things are mm-hmm. when suppliers doing things in a good way. Like this mm-hmm. is not a knock at all, but when they say five day production time, you know, so uh, three day, one day, whatever it is, that's not accurate. Not no. to the end user, it's not accurate. Like, no. it's it's a production time. It's not the amount of time that it takes to get the order processed, get a proof going, the shipping. Yep. And so those five-day production times can easily turn into 12 to 15 days. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, distributors look like liars. Now, that's right. not a knock on the supplier. They're doing, they're telling the truth and they're trying to... Right. To, to do what they need to do, but it's always one of those things, like you talked about, education. Yep. That needs to be done on the front end. No question, because that's that five, three or five-day production times from proof approval. Yes. And exactly. so, you know, yeah, that needs to be explained to, you know, so many distributors, like you said, there's a great point you just made. They see a three to five production time on uh, the a supplier website, and they tell their clients, I can get this to you in a week. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, they're the ones whose hair's caught on fire right? because they, they got caught with the pants down. And then they're pushing that to the supplier. And it just creates this, this general panic we always have in the industry by getting orders out on time. Right. Yeah. So well, it, again, it is, it, it is all education. All of a sudden, you, it creates a little bit of a, of a, you know, a waterfall effect where yep. all of a sudden you start to say, well, I need it by this date. When you really don't need it by this Absolutely. date and you're trying to pad in all this stuff. When, and- <laughs> when, when I worked at Halo, um, we went through, we had efficiency experts actually come into the building in Sterling, Illinois, and this has got to be 2003 or four, and they literally would watch the, or the way orders were processed, how many steps people took to walk from their workstation with this piece of paper over to that workstation and all that. And one of the fascinating, and there, it was absolutely fascinating. They paid, I don't remember how much, a lot of money. <laughs> one of the most fascinating things was, do you want to know what the percentage of quote-unquote rush orders came in through the, the system from uh, Halo salespeople? I would love to know that. It was 84%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you want to know how many were bogus? Oh, God. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Yeah, so the bottom line is distributors, salespeople, 
um, if I could put a bow on this, Kirby. Yeah. Take the time to educate yourself on what that really means at production time, and 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 speak candidly with your clients. Stop, stop telling him you stop saying yes and figuring it out on the back end when it comes to other people's right. time. When it comes to getting things done, educate yourself and tell the client. You know, start telling them I need to know what you need. 30 days in advance. That gives us time if something goes sideways or whatever. But if you start doing that, you talk about a differentiator, people will actually respect what you do as opposed to just use you as last-minute Johnny. Yeah, well, and the funny thing is, is people ask. Yeah, I am. But but the challenge, and on the side of the distributor, I know we need to wrap up, but the the challenge is the the end user doesn't understand that there's a difference in each of the production uh, no. styles and quantities and all that no. stuff. And so they will say, how long does it take to get an order? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, so how much does it take to buy a car? Yep. No. So <laughs> distributors, you need to control your, your clients a little bit. They'll actually appreciate that you do. Yeah. Uh, Kirby, I want to do one quick thing because it's timely and it won't make sense next week. So UFC, I'm not a big UFC guy. I don't think you are either. But uh, Conor McGregor, uh, they had a, he had a big fight against Cowboy Cerrone yep. over Saturday night. Uh, he took him out in 40 seconds, yep. apparently. I didn't pay for this. It was sixty four ninety nine, okay, for 40 seconds of the fight. And, and uh, our friend Josh Robbins from Vault Promotions, he watched it about 20 seconds did. after it was done on Twitter. He watched <laughs> it all on Twitter <laughs> for yeah. free. Obviously, you talk about a marketing machine. They, you know, just like boxing was up when we grew up. The UFC fights, they have this marketing machine building up so people pay 65 bucks for a fight. Who pays for that crap? Seriously. Yeah. Is it just me. marketing or is it worth it? Oh, I think that, uh, it again, I'm not a UFC guy, so yep. I'm not the best person to answer this. But I think the the idea that you would get to get – to me, this is a little bit like a Super Bowl party. Yep. Like you're buying the, the 64 bucks so that you can get 20 friends in a room so you can all have beers and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it, that in that sense. way, it's yep. worth it, right? Like because yeah. then you've got you've created an experience with your friends. But Other than that, if you're just sitting in your house watching yeah. it, then I think you're a lunatic. But don't you feel ripped off when, oh, of when you know 40 seconds in the dude's t- toast? I do. I, I mean, I guess, but on the other hand, I want to see a knockout, so. Yeah. <laughs> Kirby wants blood. Yeah, that's right. All right, Kirby, we're at that time of the podcast where we want the promo person of the week, that one person who's getting our attention. Male, female, that doesn't matter. Gender, that was I uh, just said, that doesn't matter. Age yeah. doesn't matter. Affiliation doesn't matter. Kirby, who's grabbing your attention this week in the promo world? So it, it, it's funny. I, I struggle with this some weeks because there are so many. And this week, it was like the ultimate in that because I yep. ran across so many awesome people. Um, but the person who popped into my head this week is somebody I ran into. He and I have a, a really good relationship, and it's one that's evolved. And he's a guy who inspires me to be more creative and up my game, especially in the video <laughs> world. Yeah, Kirby, I, you're welcome. Oh, it's not me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, of course, you kidding. always <laughs> are that person. But for this week, I'm going to I'm going to uh, give it to the Wizard of Snugs, Jeff Anderton, sort of one of the creative geniuses behind the Snugs uh, content machine, uh, kind of a video guy. And like I said, he's one of those guys who sort of inspires me to do video better. He is, yeah. he, he puts out stuff that is, is really, really well done. And I think he elevates the whole industry because of it. His, you know, and again, please, the whole team at Snugs, yeah. it's a team effort. But Jeff is one that I ran into this week. We talked a little bit. 
and he inspires me to be better. So my promo person of the week, Jeff Anderton. Yeah, that's a great choice. Jeff's a great guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You and I have had opportunities in the past few years to spend quite a bit of time with Jeff. Uh, You and I, about a year and a half ago, flew out to Snugs, and we we did some speaking for their sales team, and we we recorded the podcast out there and spent some time with Jeff. Tremendous guy. Him, Cody Belknap, the entire team out there just does a fantastic job. Uh, Great, great choice this week. So, Jeff, you're going to have to wait about 360 days for your virtual high fives we'll give to you next year in Vegas. All right, Kirby. Great choice. So I have best ever this week. I want to know the best way to unwind for you after the gauntlet that is PPAI Expo. The best way to unwind. Um, And I think it's because, you know, the weather is not a complaint about the weather, but you get back to Ohio. Um, Normally, one of my favorite ways to unwind is to spend time outdoors walking. But, you know, again, just honestly, yesterday, because of the, the crud, I was sort of fighting a little bit. Yep. It goes against everything in me. I, I had said, I, like, I should get on the treadmill and try and sweat this out. My wife's like, no. Yeah. You need to, to rest your body to get ready for the gauntlet that is the Tom Show coming up. So yep. uh, for me, it's uh, sitting on the couch watching championship football weekend, mm-hmm. you know, for the first halves of both games. Yep. Um, and having a cold cocktail. All right. So for me, uh, again, I do the red eye. So Mm. I actually get home about Friday morning around 9 o'clock, 9.30, walk in the door. I unpack. I can't deal with just my stuff and bags. So I unpack. And by 45 minutes, I take a quick shower, just kind of wash everything off, you know, wash Vegas off my body. Right, right. And I crawl into bed. I crawl into bed, and I literally will put on uh, the radio and just kind of fade away, nice. and I will nap all day and and uh, try to get my body clock recalibrated. And uh, by Saturday, I felt mostly human to go outside mm. again. And by yesterday, I felt pretty good. Nice. Um, so that's how I do it. Everybody does it differently. But you know who does it really well, Kirby? Who's that, Bill? Good folks at Common Skew. You know, we talk about their platform built for, designed for distributors by distributors. They understand the industry in ways most people just simply cannot. And they understand the challenges that the modern distributor faces. So if you want to learn more, and gosh darn it, why wouldn't you? Go to commonskew.com slash unscripted. You won't be sorry you did. Now, Kirby, thanks again for having the courage to do this podcast. You're playing Hurt today. Feel better, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.